check. God, Becky, look at who we've got here today on episode 124 of Real Nerd Hours. Is there some sort of line that I'm supposed to deliver now? Do I do I give some sort of triumphant return about how boy is back in action? And yeah, whatever. Hey, what's up? It's Chet. Remember me? Do you remember this voice? It's been so long. It's been a goddamn eternity, it feels. But I'm here. Yeah, you know. Uh, Chet and I mutually decided that we were going to do R&H new or new R&H and then come back weeks later with classic R&H uh, to make you miss the old recipe. We took this lesson from Coke, if you don't understand what that reference is. And if if you recall, that went over very well for Coca-Cola. So we decided to follow that uh, you know recipe for success, if you will. Yes. Now deliver us our billions. This is how it works, right? We get billions of dollars uh, because you can't see me at home. I've got my hand out with my hand opening and closing, symbolizing me demanding billions from you. I need billions. And I I, I am rubbing my fingers together. Uh, I don't know why that's a sign for money, but we're going to, you know, y'all know if you're American that this is a sign for money, rubbing your uh, index finger and thumb. Come on. Y'all know what's good. Yep. Everybody does. Speaking of giving us billions of dollars, let's start out by shouting out our patrons. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash real nerd hours and join in on the fun. We've got a bunch of bonus content on there. We finished our commentary tracks with the Marvel MCU movies, every single one of them up to captain marvel we did we didn't do captain marvel or Endgame because it's not available yeah uh as of this recording captain marvel's not available on dvd had it been we would have watched it and we would have probably hated it. i still haven't seen the movie at all to be honest with you oh it's yeah i mean people act like it was this big old failure and like oh the mcu is done and everyone hated it like again it's not as good as the rest of phase three but it's still better than most of phase one and two and it's still cleared a billy like by no stretch was this movie a failure it just wasn't as good fair enough Fair enough. Okay, so our lovely patrons include Adrian T, Ash Princess Midna, Brian R, CJW, Charles S, Chet Brown. What up? Dad, neither of our fathers. Daniel W, Destro the Siege, Doug D, Dynamo, Emilio R, Final Cake, Fish Nipples for Sale, Fun Kilo, James A.W, Juice Campbell, Mel J, Mike C, Overlord D, Patrick M, Philip MM, uh, Nikki, what up? Rare Steak, Rory, Sacred Fire, Samurai Jack the Face Ripper, Sal G, Scythode, Spirit Fury Fire, Swervelo, Vidal S, Walsh Russ. That's hard to say. <laughs> I bet you that's 
That's a good one. Walsh Russ. All right. X, the X janitor X, Zachary K and Zalora cosplay. Thanks everybody for being our patrons. We love you and appreciate the support. Now everybody else join in and then we'll treat it like a pyramid scheme, right? Except you don't get any money. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's how pyramid schemes work. You think you're getting money. You don't. <laughs> Oh, excellent. So just spend more money on us, and that's how we'll make this work. Tell everybody you know and tell them to tell everybody they know, and then we'll make billions of dollars, and that's how we'll how we'll get it. Chet, update us on what you've been up to. I hope you have a fantastic story to tell us about how you were uh, framed for murder by somebody you know that may have been me. Okay, so when a man loves a woman... um. Sometimes they do some things together. When a man loves a woman. And sometimes the man doesn't like wearing a shield over his sword. uh, Therefore, you know, ruining the effectiveness of the sword and, you know, taking away some of the pleasure of using it. So long story short, up abroad, skip town, moved to Mexico, moved back, got a job. And now I'm in L.A. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, the, the more the more true story of this was, you know, I've been looking for a job for a while and I thought I had one that was a lock. I had friends at the company. It's a place that's been on my radar for a while. I've applied for another position there, but it wasn't quite the right fit, you know. So when that didn't go through, I wasn't upset about that. But then they had another position open up you know, more recently. And the whole time they're just gassing me up. They're just like, oh my God, this stuff's so cool. You know, this is such a good fit. I had to do an art test, multiple interviews. This was like a six week long process. And right before the last interview was supposed to happen, they give me an email and they're like, yeah, you know what? We ain't about it. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? After like six weeks of you dragging your ass and like postponing shit constantly, but still like keeping me on the string, you're just going to up and cancel this. All right. Well, whatever. I've got another interview for a company that's way that I'm way underqualified for. That's in LA in an industry that I don't know because it was an ad agency and I haven't worked at an ad agency since right after I graduated college. And I was I was grunt work, you know, I was just like doing layouts and just preparing documents to print for magazines. But they say I did a phone interview. They said, it's only two interviews, phone interview, in-person interview. If we like you, we'll hire you the end. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. This is the exact opposite of what just happened. So I drive up to LA the night before for the interview morning of the interview i get an email hey, oh no excuse me i get a call hey there's a family emergency with the person who was supposed to interview you we have oh to postpone God. this we don't know until when and i'm like are you fucking kidding me like can i just catch a goddamn break at some point it's been like at this point, it's it's been a year and a half of like on and off freelance work, and you know I'm staying afloat, but I'm like I'm not where I want to be. So I'm like, all right, well, can't do anything about that. It's a family emergency. They like, 
I, and I didn't feel like they were lying to me or anything. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, hope everything's okay, but that sucks. So then I get an email from those same people a couple hours later and they're like, Hey, we know you were supposed to interview for a full-time position, but we need people immediately. So do you want to come do some freelance? And I'm like, sure. They said, cool. What's your day rate? And I said, $600. And I was met with silence. I'm like, okay, fuck. I just priced them out. I figured they'd want to negotiate or something. And like, All right, whatever. Then I get an email hours later. And they're like, okay, see you tomorrow. Rad. Oh. Hell yeah. <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> get fucking money. And then I uh, have a wave of, uh, of nervousness of, oh, now I need to perform $600 a day worth of work. I don't even know what that means. And this is at a place that I, I know all their clients, but I don't really know exactly what they do. And, and I haven't worked at an agency. I don't know what they expect out of me. And this was some of the easiest work I've ever done. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's gotten more difficult since then. Oh, spoilers. I'm still working there. Uh, it's gotten more difficult since then. Mostly because like now I have a little bit more autonomy and it's not just like, here's the easiest shit that we just need to get out the door. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, they made they made an offer for full time uh, and I sent in my counter offer and now I'm waiting to hear back from them. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Fingers crossed, bud. That's yeah, thanks. tight. Yeah. But even like since coming up here in general, I've gotten so much more response for like people looking for freelance work. So even if this doesn't work out for full time, I've got plenty of interest generated. So things are looking up. That's good to hear. Glad things are turning around. San Diego is kind of a pit when it comes to like VFX work and work that people actually want to do in this film or anything. It's so crazy because when I started working in 2013, it was fine. Like there were plenty of studios that were quite good and like you had a diverse uh, category, like d- diverse set of categories that people did work for. So there were agencies, there was uh, VFX specific places, there were design houses that did animation. So like there was plenty of work to go around. And I guess it just slowly, but surely just died out because I know there were at least three other competing studios that all closed shop. And some of them were were pretty good too, you know? And there's, you know, there's still a couple around, but it's mostly agencies and uh, UX work. So I, that's part of why I was like trying to move into that market. But nah, I'm an animator. This is more my deal. It's good. I feel it. One of the biggest problems I had when I was like trying to pursue film in San Diego is that there were studios, but they weren't paying well. Yeah. So there was a dude that was running the studio uh, back when I was still working at Kinko's and it was like when I was like 19 or 20 and I'd come looking for a job and I just finished working at uh, legend for one of my contracts. And I asked them, I was just like, Hey, like, so how much is pay here? Like, I understand that uh, this is San Diego and the market's a little bit different than LA, but I'm still like, I'd still like to 
you know, make a little bit of money. And so I interview with the person who owns the studio. He's like, he's, he says, we're going to pay you $9 an hour, which at the time was a minimum wage. And I was just like $9 an hour. And he said, yeah, you're going to be working. um, Let's see. I think, uh, well, I'm not sure how many hours you're going to be working. You'll need to check with, uh, with the marketing director that you're going to be interviewing with next. And I said, okay. And he he said, just as like an add-on, just kind of like as we're walking away, he was like, oh, yeah, and you're going to be doing a lot of location scouting for us. So I hope you've got a car that's reliable. And I said, okay, do you pay mileage? And he was like, oh, no, we don't because technically you're a contractor. And I was like, what? Yeah. And this so <laughs> it, it was not it. And I knew it right then. And so I go and I speak with shorty who is the marketing director and she's like some 25 26 year old lady and i could see it on her face that she wasn't making shit oh no uh and (laughs) i was like look uh although i appreciate the offer i didn't want to be rude and just walk out of the interview after speaking to the last person or the owner of the company and i i was like you guys are offering to pay me minimum wage for a job that i have uh, at this point, well, I lied on my resume and said that I had four years experience, but I mean, I was, they didn't know how old I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, or I was at the time. So looking at me, you wouldn't be, I, you would guess that I'm between the ages of like 22 and 26 or whatever. So I lied on my resume. It doesn't really make that big a difference. I lie on my resume all the time. Everyone does. <laughs> yeah. It's the way to go. It, it is really definitely is the way especially. to go. Especially if robots are looking at your resume, like people, well, whatever, they can interview you themselves. Yeah. Uh, So I talked to Shorty and like she's, it looks like she's one of the employees there who is fed the fuck up because (laughs) I asked her straight up uh, because I was like, hey, like, is the pay here even really worth it? And she looks at me and like tears start to well up in her eyes and she's like, no. She and like you could tell that that day she was like probably considering quitting. I I was fucking shocked. Damn. She was like, no, they pay me fourteen dollars an hour to do their marketing. And I was like, you're the marketing director, right? She was just like, yep. I was like, what the fuck is happening? And apparently, what that the dude who was running the studio uh, was taking advantage of people. Definitely. I mean, granted you do have to be smart with yourself and how to price yourself. And even if the opportunity looks good, you have to know when to say no. Ultimately, she kind of felt like she got bamboozled into working there. Uh, happens, but yeah, absolutely. And like, if you have shit to pay for, you can't really, say no to every opportunity that comes up you kind of have like a limited window depending on what your finances are looking like yeah yeah and and that's why it sucks to be broke i mean that amongst several reasons but you know it's it's a hard hole to dig yourself out of absolutely i felt for shorty but you know what you live and you learn she was nice though she was cool um after after the interview ended, I was just like, "No, I'm good," <laughs> uh, and she completely understood. And so we recalled it, and then I just went home. And I was I can't remember the name of that studio, but I hope they went under. The guy who ran it was a real piece of shit. Nah, it it doesn't. I think anybody that undervalues their employees like that really can't um, have a successful business 
for long, especially something in the creative field. Like if it was just crunching numbers and you have just a bunch of people, you know, or at like a call center or some shit where it doesn't really matter who's working there, it sucks, but you can get by with undervaluing your, your employees, but something where like people actually need to be motivated and like actually need to perform. Nah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not good enough to say like, oh, you work in San Diego, so you don't you don't have to work in LA. So this is like your treat for your work. Yeah, like it's not it's not worth the difference. Absolutely not. It's not like San Diego is cheap to live. It's cheaper than LA, but like a 10% difference maybe. Yeah, depending on where you go. I mean, relative yeah. to each other, it's super expensive in either place. I mean, yeah. in San Diego, you can kind of escape it if you're really lucky if and you go out to East County or something. But even East County is fucking expensive, too. Yeah, most most parts of San Diego are pretty expensive. And I would say um, prohibitively so in anywhere that you actually want to live. Yeah. And as soon as that neighborhood that was super undesirable last year starts to come up, the prices jump up to match. Shout out to North Park. Yeah. North Park was undesirable for a fucking minute, dude. Yeah. Nobody wants to live there. Anyway, welcome to Real Nerd Hours, your favorite slice of life podcast, ostensibly about nerd shit. This week, we're talking about things and such. Yeah, we're we're catching you up, Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of which, I managed to catch up with a movie uh, last night that came out recently. Oh, uh-huh. it was Hellboy, the 2019 one. Oh yeah, I want <laughs> I want to hear about that cuz Nikki was real excited for that. I like the first two Hellboys. You know, I don't love them, but I, I like them. Uh then I heard very very lukewarm response after that. So, in my opinion, I liked it. You know, it it wasn't the best movie I'd ever seen, but like stylistically, it was cool. The story was fine, and it was just kind of a fun superhero romp. They included <laughs> like weird references for the audience too, like the Osiris Club and Lobster Johnson was in it. <laughs> Lobster Johnson, for those of you who don't know, is like a World War II era hero who basically just killed Nazis, and it he he had like uh. God, it was like a short run in the Hellboy universe or whatever publisher did the comic book. He had a short run. I think it was a six issue run that I read. It was uh, interesting. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but it was interesting. Anyway, uh, story story is fine. Mila Jovovich is in it, but she's not really in it. So the movie wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> Yeah. For some reason, every movie that Mila Jovovich is in is just like, we're not every single movie that she's in, but the movies that she She stars stars in are largely bad, largely very bad. Like all of the Resident Evil movies, not a single one of them are are good. Yeah. Um, I can't even really think of anything else. Uh, She hasn't been in anything. Um, No, that's uh, Kate Blanchett and one other woman. Oh, that's right. They're just very similar similar. <laughs> yeah. The basically the story is 
I think it's a reboot or a soft reboot to Hellboy because what it does is it just treads over his origin again and kind of like I don't I don't even know how to explain it treads over his origin and kind of adds to it I guess like he's got really bad daddy issues and it's supposed to take place before those other movies took place but at the same time it doesn't because they're different movies and the timeline is different it's okay <laughs> it's weird and it's difficult to explain for sure yeah it sounds kind of dumb yeah but i i mean it's worth a watch for sure because there are pieces of that movie that are really cool like the i want to say baba duke is in it i can't remember hmm. it's one of those like fictional horror uh creatures and that is a really cool sequence that that's in and I would say almost that's worth watching the movie in itself. It's very CG heavy. There's a part at the end where these CG monsters are like freaking out because the queen is going to die or some shit. And it looks stupid as fuck. <laughs> but there well, okay. are definitely cool parts in it like uh, or cool shots and like cool set pieces, I want to say, is the term for it, where Hellboy is like... um riding this dragon through earth but it's actually hell it's cool it's real cool but whatever the movie check it out check it out yeah all the reviews i'm seeing for it are lukewarm at best yeah absolutely and i can't blame them because you know it's not the best movie in the world and it's not guillermo del toro which people relentlessly dick ride so (sighs) yeah I, I feel like Del Toro is like the new Tim Burton where it's just, oh, because he's not doing the exact same shit as anybody else that suddenly everything he does is good. Everything he puts his name on, someone's just going to cape for real hard. And I enjoy most of the stuff that he's done, but it's like, I don't know. It's it's not that everything he's done is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I will, I'll forever applaud him for managing to get like a kaiju big battle movie out. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. Like, shout outs to him. He was literally able to get giant monsters on the screen and them fighting robots, which is very impressive to me. I applaud that for sure. Even just the concept of that. Yeah, absolutely. But the movie wasn't really that good. I'll cape for it because I like it, but it's not it's not especially impressive. When th- this was most apparent to me when I saw an article that said that Blade 2 was better than Blade 1 because Guillermo del Toro did the monster designs in Blade 2. And I'm like, that's cool and all, but have you watched Blade 1 and then watched Blade 2? It's not a better movie. Get the fuck out of here. It really isn't. Blade Blade is probably one of the best monster movies ever made. Like, best, um, I mean, not even with the qualifier that it is an action movie. It's just one of the best monster movies ever made. Now, it's not as good as something, say, like The Thing, but it's definitely top 25. Yeah, yeah. And the monster design and the story and all that in Blade 2 really isn't even that good. It's pretty all right, yeah, though. Yeah, it's fine. 
I mean, I, I watched it again like last year sometime, and it's it's fine, you know. Like it, it's an interesting continuation of the story, and they do some things that are pretty stupid, like Whistler still being alive. But I mean, it's it's a comic book, like you kind of expect some dumb shit like that. But it, it's not yeah, better right. than the first. That's <laughs> that's my my the hill that I will die on. And I feel like that's not even a hot take. It's just the only reason why these people thought it was better was because Guillermo del Toro had his hand in it. And it's like, no, that's not <laughs> that's not how this works here. I think that those movies were released in order of quality. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. That third one is fucking garbage. <laughs> that third one Throw was that in so trash. bad. You got Blade and the Saturday Squad. Like... Come on now, get that get out oh, of here! Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you got uh, with Ryan two Reynolds versions <laughs> of Hawkeye. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds playing proto Deadpool. God, that was bad. And Triple H was in it. Oh, oh. yeah. I've only watched that. It movie was very. Once. I like how Blade Three was more '90s than the first one. <laughs> yeah, I got a point. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It's got like, even though they don't play like the weird trance music that's always in the mind of people when you hear the '90s, it's just like it's got the '90s archetypes on lock. It's got the mean girl with the 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 purse dog. You've got the big muscly dude who's like the right hand man of the girl with the purse dog. Then you've got the snarky comedian dude in Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, who he plays in every fucking movie is one role. Yes, exactly. And then you've got the, uh, girl. Uh, how do you even describe Jessica Beale in that movie? It's like, uh, the, her past is darker than you let on. And then you also have like the, the literal Saturday morning cartoon squad where you've got the blind woman and the like horribly or he's not deformed. I guess he's just fat. <laughs> you've got like, <laughs> you've got the lab squad where it's like just two people who have social issues, one being blind and the other just being fat. Uh, it's, it's chock full of archetypes from nineties movies or cartoons and it's not good because of it. Nah. Yeah, I mean like if the movie was campy throughout, but like you can't you can't have the first two movies be as like serious and badass and like they were they were fun and kind of schlocky in a way, but like it was trying just hard enough that you give it enough credit for it, but you can't go from those two and then go full camp. So they tried to do the campy shit without like changing the tone of the movie. And it was just dumb and weird. And yeah, no, that movie was bad. Yeah, it absolutely was. The Discord Coquettin had sent out a message about Comic-Con selling tickets to Comic-Con, their own event, San Diego Comic-Con on eBay to raise money for for their museum that they want to open up, the Comic-Con Museum. Now, I'm not opposed to this idea. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but it's definitely not good because if you think about all the memorabilia that Comic-Con as an organization has access to, they can more than certainly 
sell things other than tickets to the event. And like the amount of struggle and the pain that everybody has to go through in order to get tickets to the event, like just even basically making yourself your own scalper is so sketch to me. It's pretty fucked up because these are some of the most sought after tickets just to any to any convention for sure. And these two packs, they look like they're consistently going for about two grand. So it's a thousand dollars a ticket. That's so extreme. And they make so much money on the tickets as is. And I know yeah. it's a nonprofit organization, but like I correct me if I'm wrong. And I know I know somebody's gonna know the answer to this, but nonprofit organizations definitely uh still pay the people that work for them. So it's not oh, as yeah. if it's not as if like that money's going nowhere. It's not going back into the Comic Con coffers. Like I'm there's there's limits to the the legality of like how much you can pay your CEO and stuff, but everyone gets their wages, everyone gets, you know, funding and all that. So nonprofits just mean you don't have a, a big old hoard of cash that you can, you know, spend on other shit, you know. Nonprofits just mean you have to spend all your money by the time you're done or donate it to something. So that's probably what this is. How much are tickets for Comic-Con normally? Uh, I think they're starting at uh, $250 now. Okay, so $250 and there are like 100,000 people who go every year. And that doesn't even include the cost of booths or artist alley spaces or how much the vendors get charged for like selling food or like even if Comic-Con itself is now renting the entire area outside of the convention center and making people rent space from them like the sidewalk and stuff over by the trolley station granted that's like that's very conspiratorial and that's probably not even the case but let's let's stick with just like the amount of people who go to Comic-Con a year. So according to the San Diego Union Tribune, Comic-Con in 2014, the last year that they reported revenue from an article in 2016, they made $19 million. Fuck out of here. In, so I don't know how much of that $19 million, because it is a nonprofit, is right. getting split amongst people. And like, I'm sure nonprofits are allowed to have bank accounts where they hold on to money, but it's just not allowed to be like raw revenue or whatever the fuck. Uh, or I don't even know the, the accounting term for it. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it works. <laughs> minus like CapEx and OpEx, like the money left over. I don't know how much of that that is, but let's say like uh, it's three or four million dollars to rent the convention center and whatever. I don't even want to get into like guessing the numbers for it. So let's just say hypothetically, th if they're making the same amount and it's just going up year over year, they could have just opened their own museum. Not like I don't want to pretend like this is some tremendous deal because uh, they're not selling more than 21 tickets i mean if they were selling like a couple hundred tickets i think i would have a have an issue with it and even selling 22 packs i mean that's 40 tickets on on ebay it's still sketchy as fuck yeah it seems so fucking predatory because like they know they know they're gonna get the money 
Oh yeah, of they of course they're going to get the money. And one thing that I've had to explain to some people with who are like convention runners or that are like trying to get free tickets to events, like giving out a ticket to an event that you're already running is one of the easiest things you can do because everything's already set up. If you if you buy someone a hotel room, that's money that you need to put down on someone else's room like that actually costs real dollars but just saying okay you can come into this thing that i'm already doing that i need you at like that's no commitment whatsoever but that also tells people you know if they can sell an extra 20 tickets after they've been long sold out or extra 40 tickets after they've been long sold out that that's an artificial cap that they have on there you know, if they say, oh, we're only selling 20,000 tickets for, for Thursday on top of the 50,000 that we're selling for the four day. Well, if it was 50,040, it wouldn't really be that big of a deal. Like, I, I know, of course, they have to put a cap on it, but they could still sell more. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's not as if the fire marshal is going to come down to the convention center, kick open <laughs> somebody's head door. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to count each and every fucking individual here. I think the most at one time they had, like, in and around the convention center at once was somewhere around, like, uh, 300,000 people in a single day. And, like, if That's I'm reading this, yeah, dude. And if I'm reading this correctly, the total spending for that four-day period for Comic-Con, and I don't know if this includes ticket prices. This is a little bit misleading. San Diego Union Tribune, do better. Uh, is $82.8 <laughs> million. Dollars. That's and, crazy. And man. if that's just for that weekend, fuck, even if it's over the entire year in related uh, Comic-Con spending, that's still a gang of money. Yeah, they, I bet you. I bet you that's not even accounting for hotels and tickets. The, uh, the total, the total economic impact on San Diego is one hundred and forty million dollars. Yeah, there you so go. So <laughs> that's. I assume that's the one that's restaurants, that's uh, gas, that's parking, that's all that extra shit. Yeah, all the little nickel and diming that they do because. Yeah, everyone's got to eat. Everyone's got to park. Yeah, I mean, and restaurants down there jack up their fucking prices, too. Oh, yeah, and limit their menu. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to the old spaghetti factory to get their mediocre-ass pasta. Oh, all we have is spaghetti today. Uh, That's $35. Enjoy, asshole. Damn, dude. I would love to actually do a series of interviews about that. I think I'm going to put that together. We're going to see. We're going to (laughs) see. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a good thing to do. Uh, And granted, like, it's, again, I don't think this is, like, a super big deal, but I think it is a bit of a problem. You can't, if you're you're cutting off tickets and you have to make people enter a lottery to get tickets. Yeah, it's so fucked up, man. Dude, I, the lotto system for anything is so garbage. No, but you know what? At least, at least it's not like trying to get tickets to an idol concert in japan and i don't even think this would be legal in the u.s but the way you get tickets for for big idol groups like say i forget the name of the group that's idol master but that's one of the big ones 
you have to buy certain merchandise. Like say they just released their new album. So you have to buy that new album to get a code and that code enters you into the lottery. But the album will be like $35 and it'll sell out like crazy because there are people that will buy 10 copies of it because they really want to go to that concert. But of course, the lottery is just to get the chance to buy the ticket to the concert. So there's people that spend thousands of dollars just trying to make it into this concert so that they can see their favorite idol group. And of course, they'll do this several times a year because they go on tour all the time. They're making money hand over fist. They're making it good money. The worst part about it is like idols aren't even real people, right? They're just cartoons. Uh, A lot of the popular groups, the voice actresses will actually go on tour and do the dances and stuff. Oh, okay. So it's not just them watching uh, an episode of the anime. Oh, yeah. God, that would be so bad. Uh, Yeah, I I think for those, it's all like actual people performing. That's good. I remember when Hatsune Miku was big, and that's a fucking computer-generated voice. And to see a computer-generated voice and cartoon dancing on screen live is so weird. That's weird. I I don't. I just assumed all idol groups were like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, that would be pretty bad. Though, of course, you know the anime girl market is still very strong, and I'm sure there are plenty of groups that could get away with that, but they probably wouldn't be as popular. Man, yeah, no the the culture of fandom in Japan is so obsessive. It's really crazy to me. So speaking of those crazy Japanese people, there's a new anime on the streets. It's done by, uh, oh God, what did this guy do? I want to say he worked on Sailor Moon, but he also did Yuri Kuma and Mawaru Penguin Drum, and it's called Sarazanmai, and it is one of the strangest anime I've ever seen. Yeah, I continue to watch it just because. Uh, it's exceedingly gay. Um, the whole thing is it's very there's a lot of anal retention but like in the more clinical term not like the oh he's so anal and fixated no no there's a lot of butt stuff in this uh one of the characters is definitely actually gay another one cross dresses and then there's a lot of butt stuff but it's a fun show go ahead check it out if you're if you've watched a lot of anime you might be able to deal with this <laughs> So the answer is don't watch it because anime sucks. You're probably better off not watching it. Absolutely. Last week, or I guess, yeah, last week's show, uh, we Charles and I discussed a device that's disrupting the self-control market called the Pavlock 2. Now, <laughs> as it turns out, one of the listeners has one. And he... He says that it's helped him out a lot, actually. Yeah. So interesting. He, so how does this work? I'm not I'm not caught up. Okay, so the Pavlock 2 is a device that issues an electric shock to you when you want a certain activity to have a negative association with it. So you build negative stimuli by 
shocking the shit out of yourself using this device of Pavlock 2. Okay. It's... I mean, most people just bargain with themselves and say, you know, oh, I can I can stop myself. I'll know when it's bad for me. Yeah, I'll know when I can stop. I have control over this. This does not control me. That sort of thing. Uh, so you can shock the shit out of yourself, say, when you're getting up in the morning. Let's say you have like a real big problem getting up in the morning and you want to be able to wake up and build a routine you can set your alarm and connect it to this device so instead of an alarm clock going off it's literally you being shocked (laughs) i feel like i feel like an alarm is probably the healthier way to do that but we'll just go with that anyway (laughs) yeah i mean i i don't want to like downplay anybody who needs help this one's difficult for me because it's such a funny fucking idea it's like yo (laughs) let me shock myself he tried the alarm clock across the room and he would get up and just shut it off immediately and then go back to bed. In his words, he says that the slider goes from zero to 100% and he has his set for a hundred percent and it's not something he can shrug off at all. Ah. It's not something that you can ignore because you will shock the shit out of yourself repeatedly if you don't get out of bed. Well, I mean, if it, if it's effective, then, you know, do your thing. Um, I actually heard an interesting talk on this. Um, so it was talking about setting ultimatums for yourself and like how self-control works. So some people have just good willpower and some people just don't, whether that's social or a genetic thing, who knows, doesn't really matter, but there are um a lot of different ways that you can make this work like say you know you want to quit smoking and you can tell yourself okay i want to quit smoking but your body is physically addicted to nicotine so you're probably just going to find some reason to smoke again just like oh no i had a really stressful day i deserve a cigarette and then you smoke and then you find more excuses and then you're back into the cycle again. And it sucks. So then you can try outside factors of, oh, if you see me telling all my friends, if you see me smoking a cigarette, punch me in the face, just punch me in the fucking face. If I ask for a cigarette, if I, if I reach for one, just don't, don't let me smoke. And that might work depending on how, committed to that your friends are but you might just sneak off and smoke one by yourself anyway you know and there's a bunch of different things we can do and different things work for different people there was this one dude who wanted to go onto this extreme diet of like he's cutting out dairy entirely he's cutting out beer and you know whatever it's a bunch of different things and he told himself that if he breaks his diet He's going to send a check for $500 to Oprah because he hates Oprah. He can't stand her. His wife loves her. But if he breaks the diet, he has to send this check to Oprah. Well, he accidentally broke. He he had stuck to the diet for 29 days. He only needed to last for like six weeks, something like that. He got halfway through and then accidentally had some milk 
in his coffee. Like he ordered it black. They brought it with creamer and I guess it was covered. So he drank some and he's like, oh shit, I just had some milk. Now to me, that doesn't count as breaking the diet. You just send it back, like whatever. But to him, he had broken his his word. You know, he went against the deal. So he mailed the check to Oprah. And he said, but he, he explained it. He explained the situation in a letter with that as well. And she never cashed the check. You know, it's Oprah, like she gives a shit about 500 bucks anyway. But. Yeah, I think that's, that's on the same level as some genie shit or like doing a deal with the devil where the devil's going to win regardless. So you making that deal is like, it's, it's pointless, right? Because you're holding yourself to a standard that you know is impossible. And like in the same way that the devil will take advantage of everybody, whoever makes the deal with them. Oh, well you said this, uh, you should have been more clear. Or when you make yeah, a deal, it's like <laughs> the monkey's paw. Yeah. It's like a real monkey's paw situation where the fingers is going to close on you fucking regardless. And like something awful is going to happen. You're setting yourself up for failure. I guess I should be saying, yeah, and, yeah, and I, I I definitely agree. And like, there was this uh this other thing. If if you are a gambling addict, you can put yourself on a registry in Las Vegas that says you are not allowed to gamble. If any casino sees you gambling with your ID, that's the same name that's on this registry. You get kicked out and they take your money. Any money that you've won belongs to the casino now. So homie is a, uh, is a gambling addict, puts himself on the registry. He knows he's got a problem. He was spending like every paycheck. He, was, he lived in Vegas and yeah. So he puts himself on the registry and then weeks later or months, whatever he finds out or realizes that as long as no one sees his ID, it's no one's going to know who he is. It's not like, you know, they have their faces up on top of them at all time. They just have the names on the registry. They do have facial recognition software though. They do, but this must've been before that, uh, was, uh, was uh, ubiquitous. They, They probably just didn't put them in the system because it's, uh, probably very costly yeah i i I know that that's how they whenever anybody who's been caught for card counting goes in they immediately know that they're there because they're on the facial rec software yeah that's probably a much higher priority for them rather than like oh this guy isn't allowed to gamble okay Uh, yeah but yeah he finds out or realizes that as long as he doesn't win too much money, no one's going to bother checking his ID because he's in his 40s. You know, he's obviously of age to be gambling like no one gives a shit. And as long as he doesn't go to uh, the tables, you know, because there they'll check everyone. So he just does slots, you know, just does 20 bucks at a time, you know, whatever. And it's never a problem until he wins the jackpot. And... Oh shit. Then he That's tight. <laughs> Yeah, he wins the jackpot, which was, you know, what he was waiting for all this time. It was like, you know, 20 grand. But then they have to check his ID and they see that his name is on there and they're like, "Oh, get out of here. 
we're taking the money. <laughs> he gets uh, he gets tossed into like a holding cell overnight, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And then he never set foot in a casino again. Good. For yeah, him. it only took losing out on a chance for 20 grand yeah i guess it takes what it takes yeah sorry i made fun of anybody who needed the pavlock that's my bad yeah so basically if it works it works and you know there are much more extreme measures you can go through to get yourself out of bad habits yeah i typically won't recommend self-harm for any of them yeah that's what i would qualify the pavlock as i would qualify that as self-mild self-harm um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, do what you got to do, I guess. Just be yeah. careful. You, you, well, no, that's not necessarily even true. I would say you know what's best for you, but that's not. <laughs> no, that's definitely not true. Yeah. That's how people end up, you know, not ever stopping their uh, addictions. There's, there's talk of, so the uh, Summit of Time, which was the Mortal Kombat 11 uh, Beyond the Summit, event uh the summit of time just wrapped up and there's a bunch of fanfare behind that and i didn't watch it sonic fox won he's still gay whatever uh but there's talk of okay what's the next game we should do and i forget what all the options were but the two that stood out to everyone were tekken and marvel 2 and i think a marvel 2 summit would be one of the coolest events to happen in a long time because you would have all these old washed up family men fighting real hard for a lot of money and making asses of themselves for a weekend. And it would turn a lot of people on to the game because it's a really cool game to watch. Like it's very hard to play. You know, if you've ever tried to play Marvel Two at a high level, that game is difficult. But it's really cool to watch, and I think they would choose people, invite people, so it's not just everybody playing the same team. You know, you wouldn't have Santhrax and then Team Santhrax and then Team Santhrax and then Team Santhrax. You know, you would have some some character diversity. There would probably be someone like Mega Man Steve who plays strange characters and i think it could be a really fucking cool event so if you see any stuff on like the beyond the summit twitter or something like that i'm telling you right now vote for marvel 2 for any of their polls and stuff because that shit would be lit yeah absolutely uh i think bringing back marvel would be fucking hilarious it would be just a bunch of old washed dudes standing around these CRTs trying to get it in <laughs> with these young guys. And you know there's one person from like the early to mid 2000s who's been practicing since then trying to get his groove back like he's fucking Stella. God. And he's like, I've been waiting for one of these tournaments for so long. Time to prove myself. And then he'll go out there and get pretty far. He'll be the dream. He'll be like the Cinderella story and then just get washed in the later rounds. Oh, man. that's I hope for that. I hope for that so much. That kind of happened at Evo a couple of years back. Um, this new guy, well, new-ish um, dude called Executioner. I think he's from NorCal or something. And he he got really into Marvel 2 
kind of after everything had settled and like, you know, most of the veterans, most of the real top players, they don't play anymore. You know, they still can, but they just don't. And everyone had moved on to Marvel three at this point. So there was this exhibition. It was the first to 10 between executioner and Justin Wong. And it was, you know, old school versus new school because executioner of like all the new school players, undisputed champ. Everyone knows this dude is the truth. And then Justin Wong was the goat from back in the day. And this was not even close. It was like two to 10. And I think Executioner got the first two. (laughs) It was bad. Damn. But it was really cool to watch because like you can tell that this guy was for real. You can tell that, you know, if he had been playing back in the day, he would have made top eights pretty consistently. But no one fucks with Justin. He's just that good. Well, we'll see if they bring him back for the time summit. I would be so down. I would be so fucking down. Shit, man. Yeah. Well, there are no questions on the subreddit. Reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. You can go on there and leave a question for next week's episode. Uh, This edition, uh, the shortened edition, welcoming back chat of real nerd hours uh, is here. And we'll be back again next week. Uh, thanks for listening to this week's shortened edition of Real Nerd Hours. There are no questions on the subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. And we're welcoming back Chet for that classic RNH taste. I'm back. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I've been Denzel. I've been Chet. You can find the show's uh, social media information on realnerdhours.com and you can support the show on patreon patreon.com slash real nerd hours charles and i are making another mistake for content we're doing a recap show for doctor who and thanks everybody for listening uh support the show on patreon patreon.com slash real nerd hours and we'll see you next thursday and y'all have a good night